everybody to the Crosstown Baseball Show. I'm your host, Anthony Shulo, your White Sox guy, joined by my co-host, Anthony Romanelli, the Cubs guy. We're back at it again here on Wednesday, January 11th to talk Cubs and talk Sox. Um, and, you know, I usually don't start this way, Anthony, but I, I'm going to ask you a really, a really, I think, important question that I think the listeners are dying to know. Sure. Coke is coming. Coca-Cola is coming back to Wrigley, and I want to want your hot take on it. Um, honestly, it's a little shocking. <laughs> um, it really is. Um, I, clearly, they're they're paying more money to 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 get in there. Um, I'm I'm personally a Pepsi guy, <laughs> so, so uh, I'm a little a little bothered. But I, but you know, I I understand it's a financial thing. I don't think 40,000 Cubs fans are going to care. Um, I really don't. But uh, good for Coke, I guess. I guess. <laughs> um, I just, I'll just, we'll be curious if they will follow through um, with television ads or if they've just decided to go inside Wrigley Field or if they're really going to make a push with uh, Major League Baseball as a collective whole. One of the things that I'd like to know, honestly, is if we were to sit down and look at all 32 parks, where is Coke versus where is Pepsi? Is, is Coke now making a put? Because, I mean, the Cubs are one of the top five draws in all of baseball. So if we look at the Dodgers, if we look at the Yankees, if we look at the Red Sox, um, who is, what what soft drink is in those parks? I honestly have no clue. So is this a, a marketing thing where Coke is all of a, gonna, all of a sudden going to plant its feet uh, heart, like wholeheartedly in the top markets and see what happened from there? Or is this just a, a money grab for the, for uh, Coke? Well, if, 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 if baseball gods appreciated soft drinks, what would happen is RC Cola would go ahead and just splurge. <laughs> <laughs> by the rights at Wrigley Field and guaranteed rate. <laughs> right? Yeah. Now, now if we follow Warren Buffett at all, he used to have Coke forever. So maybe he knows something that we don't know. Well, maybe, maybe, but uh but you know, the thing that's interesting that of all the things that we could be talking about, you know, the biggest news that came from the cups today was that they're going <laughs> polo products. But um but we'll get to that today. We have a, a kind of a full show today, folks. Um before we get to kind of what's on the agenda, I wanted to kind of address something right off the bat. Um, you know, over the weekend, I'm sure many of you've already um, heard because we're kind of late to our show this week. We usually um, have shows out on Monday, but this show where we're um, obviously recording this on a Wednesday. Over the weekend, uh, we did hear from uh, the White Sox community that Liam Hendricks was actually diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma um, and the all-star closer is going to be going through um, his cancer treatments. He actually started those this week. So um, when we heard from Rick Hahn on the matter, um, you know, he very blatantly said, of course, that we're in his corner. And I feel like we're all, when we heard that, certainly in Liam's corner as him and his wife, Christy, kind of go through that experience together and then unfortunate news. Um, and Rick Hahn said, you know, while we're with, you know, Liam, the person, you know, we're talking to, we're talking and recognizing Liam as the person, not the player. Um, and they kind of tabled any update on him participating in the season until after opening day. So, you know, with that news, it looks like he is not assumed to be joining the team at the start of the season. Quite frankly, maybe out the whole year, we don't know yet, but very kind of sobering news and you never like to hear it, whether you're a baseball player or not, that kind of shocked the system. Um, completely agree. Um, uh, as you and I have both been in the, uh, I don't know, in the working world forever, uh, 20, 30 years ago, it was all about work, 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 uh, and make a name for yourself. Um, but over the years I have learned that, uh, life is more important than work. And when something like this comes up, uh, communities rally around particular people and groups to make sure that uh, a player's health and safety is first and foremost. Uh, we saw that with the Buffalo Bills also in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. So obviously, we want uh, Hendricks to be uh, 100%. Uh, and there's not an athlete or person that I know of that wouldn't be in 
Hendricks Corner while he's uh, battling non-Hoskins lymphoma. Uh, so we all wish him the best and uh, we'll be curious to get updates as we are able. Uh, I have to believe that the, to almost to your point, that the White Sox will keep as much uh, closed-lipped as they can to give uh, him and his family the privacy that they need while they go through all this. And uh, we'll all be cheering them on the sidelines. Absolutely. You know, um, you often hear the phrase, sometimes bad things happen to good people. And while you don't want this to happen to anybody, it's unfortunate for anybody. You know, Liam Hendricks is one of those people notorious for being kind of the most respected, fun-loving, committed guys in all of baseball. I mean, he's very active in the Chicagoland area. He, you know, is often donating his time, his resources. He's very big with, um, with you know, pediatric cancer, very big with the LGBTQ community here in, here in the Chicagoland area. So um, it's time for, for us to really be kind of hoping and praying and putting our thoughts in, again, him and Christie's corner to make sure that they uh, they get through this um, AOK. So we'll be looking forward to when he's back on the mound in a White Sox uniform because there's really nothing greater when when someone of, of that caliber is, is closing games for you. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Now, on that note, um, wanted to kind of talk about what we're what we have on the docket today. So, I want to kind of go do a few housekeeping things, um, particularly on the Cubs side, and then to what we're going to do today, folks, is we're going to kind of um, set the stage going into 2023, talking about kind of the current ownership uh, situation for the Cubs and the White Sox, particularly what it means for those teams' spending, their approaches, and just getting a sense of our take on where this ownership has been over the last few years and how it's going to influence them going forward, whether that's with the team, how much they're spending, whether it's on the ballpark and kind of uh, what they've done to the ballpark so far, the future of those ballparks. So really there's no strict agenda, but we're really just going to talk about the owners today because I feel like that's a hot topic here in the city on both sides of town for, uh, for once where there's some particular kind of praise and gripes equally to go around for both ownership groups. So, um, but the first thing I want to do, Anthony, is um, the Cubs added veteran first baseman that many of you, if you follow baseball, you know who this gentleman is, Eric Hosmer. Um, so Eric Hosmer um, was last season with the San Diego Pirates, with the Boston Red Sox. Um, he was actually released by or traded from the Padres to the Red Sox at the trade deadline. Um, the Red Sox, a few months after, actually released him of his contract. Now, this is a guy who... When he joined the Padres in 2018, signed a massive, at the time, the biggest deal in Padres history. It was an eight-year, $144 million deal. And the Cubs got him, paying him league minimum of $720,000 uh, for 2023. And the Padres are still on the hook for 30, uh, $38 million, which is just astonishing. So what was your reaction when you saw the Cubs got a, a first baseman in Hosmer? Well, um, I, I think he's a stopgap uh, position player for now, uh, while the Padres are paying the thirty million for him to be in a uh, Cubs uniform. Let's not forget that the Cubs are paying the Dodgers. Is it for um, Hayward? Yeah, and what is it? Forty million for Hayward? Should uh, actually, I believe it's just this one year, and I think it's at twenty three or twenty four million. Twenty three, twenty four million. So it's not only. Swapping, almost swapping bad contract for bad contract. Uh, as you mentioned, between the Padres and Red Sox, I think when by the time he was done with the Red Sox, he played 14 or 15 games total. Um, I don't even think he hit 250. So am I excited about him? Not particularly. Um, I, again, we talked last week that I'm hoping that they win 81 games. Um, I'm hoping that if he has some of the power that he had um, in the mid in his mid career with the Padres, I'll be okay with that. Um, I don't know. The last time he had over ten home runs was back in twenty twenty one, I think, with twelve. So I don't see him hitting the twenty twenty five that he was hitting with the Royals back in the mid to in like twenty fourteen or fifteen. I don't see that happening. So I'm curious why. To be honest with you, they're, they're, the power's not there. While the defense may be there, I don't necessarily know that he's even top tier defensively. Uh, why not give a, a rookie a chance to come up? I just, I just don't see this going. I, I could be totally wrong, and let me be wrong. I'm happy to be wrong. Uh, the short fortune left field for someone like Hosmer, I'm okay with. Uh, but 
uh, I think I'm less hopeful with him, and I and I hope I'm wrong. I just I just don't know. We'll see. I mean, you bring up a good point, right? I mean, I, I think what we're tiptoeing around here is is uh, Matt Mervis, right? I, I think mm-hmm. it's it's up to that it's up to that coaching staff, it's up to that front office to decide. Are they going to give Mervis out of spring training that full time job, or or is he really going to platoon for a year with with Eric Hosmer, kind of flex between first base and DH? Maybe my my thought with Mervis, and and I, I hesitate to say this, I'm very much wondering, and if they pull this, I'm going to be pissed. I'm just going to say it. I'm going to be pissed. It's a podcast. I don't have to be that safe with my language. <laughs> um, if they pull the whole Chris Bryant rule thing and bring and bring Mervis up after he's tearing it up in the in the minors, I am going to be bent because, yes, you get that extra year of control. But I I said this, I've said this from day one, and I said it in both our previous podcasts. You can both win and lose a division in April. Let him come up now. Mm-hmm. I don't care about one year of additional control if you're building something now. Right, right. And and. Yeah. I'm sorry, go on. Well, I mean, quite frankly, it, it they're in a weird spot where it it is that in-between space. And you talked about last week about, well, it'd be great if they could win 81 games. If you have Mervis start the season at first, um, how much is that really impacting your 81 games? Let the guy get some playing time under his belt so when you go into 24-25, he's worked out the kinks, he's gone through any sophomore slump, and he's going to be more productive for you in a couple of years. Right, plus... You're solidifying three fourths of that infield from day one. You know, you know, Swanson's not going anywhere. You know, Hoarder's not going anywhere. If Mervis is at third, the only true unknown, I'm sorry, uh, if Mervis is at first, then your only true unknown is third base because you're going to have wisdom there. And who else? Who am I missing? Um, Morel would probably be there most days. Who? Morel, Chris. I'm sorry, Morel. Yeah, actually, Morel will be there, and then Wisdom will platoon. So why not have that infield from day one figure out how to gel from day one? Because Morel was on a tear the day he came from the day he came up, which again brings me back to the loss of Contreras. He looked up to Contreras so much. So if you have Morel at first or third, and and Mervis at First, and you know Swanson and Horner aren't going anywhere, and you've got an all-star in uh, Hap and left, and you've got a potential all-star in Suzuki and right. That's a pretty darn good field. You've got a darn solid defense. Yeah, I would. I would put them in the top ten. I'm not putting them top five. Right. <laughs> and you know, you're not at the level of the Dodgers. You're not at the level of the Padres yet. But I would definitely put them top ten. And who besides the Cardinals in the Central are they going to compete with? It's I think, and I think the Cubs and Sox are in the exact same spot. They're only going to lose to themselves. Amen. They're only going to beat themselves. That's it. They they both, both teams 100% can win their divisions. Are they the strongest divisions? You and I both know the answer to that is no. But can they both win their division if they play well enough? Absolutely. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what the Cubs do. Obviously, we have uh, four or five weeks left before uh, pitchers and catchers uh, report, actually, more closer to three or four weeks. I can't believe it's coming back, back coming back around that quickly here. But it'll be interesting to see kind of what other uh, moves the Cubs do, particularly to, um, you know, add some depth and add certainly some depth to their pitching, uh, pitching relief core and then the rotation. Um, but we'll talk more about that as we get uh, closer to, to spring training. We uh, kind of have a lot of, lot to talk about, especially as pitchers and catchers report. We'll be following spring training um, all throughout uh, February and March for for you guys. But I do want to transition to talking about uh, ownership for both of our teams here in Chicago. And, you know, I said it right off the top. I think it's a very interesting time for our teams right now, particularly when it comes to the approach that both owners, Tom Ricketts for the Cubs, Jerry Reinsdorf for the Sox, are taking with these teams who are, in the case of the White Sox, trying to show that they can, in fact, be consistently competitive, and the Cubs going through a retool, rebuild, re-whatever word you want to put after that, showing that they can actually be a World Series champion again. 
Um, but the path that both took to get here are very different. And that's why I do want to start with the Cubs because, you know, as you know, in 2009, when the Tribune sold the Cubs to Tom Ricketts, mind you folks, remember I was, a, I'm a recovering Cubs fan. So I was a Cubs fan at that time. So I can speak from experience, though jaded experience that, um, I don't know about you, but I was very excited. I think I think that was a consensus among most Cubs fans that when Ricketts took over, it was a really exciting time. It it absolutely was. Um, and you you had somebody who was from here, uh, whose family was from here, who had a lot of money, who promised that they were here to make a difference, and they absolutely did. Um, it it changed the face of Northside baseball for the better. Uh, our expectations, I wholeheartedly believe, are higher now than I don't want to say than than they've ever been. I think, but for, but because we've now gotten a taste of victory, uh, I think our expectation is that, especially in being one of the top five largest markets in the country, that there's no reason we shouldn't be competing every single year. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and so. Um, I want to kind of start with that that competing piece, right? Because I I often think when you think about the Ricketts tenure up to this point, there was that first few years of excitement coming in. Here's a fan who sat in the bleachers, watched Cubs games, and now he's running this team, hires a guy like Theo Epstein. Suddenly this team starts to kind of coalesce into what we know it to be in 2015, ultimately 2016 with the championship year. But there is something to be said about kind of the change in the way fans felt about Ricketts when suddenly you get into 2017, 2018, and there's multiple years that that offense, that young players, your Bryants, your Rizzos, your Baez, they're not clicking together. And suddenly they switch to retool or rebuild mode and sell off all those players. And I saw from my perspective, Cubs fans get bitter really quick because of what you're talking about. Like, why the hell is this team in a top market who making all this money, especially with all they put in the stadium, making more money than ever, having to take that approach? Um, it's a very good question. Um, I, it, it's a, it's. I would say that's the great unanswered, the, the great unanswered question. Why would they take that approach? You watch, you watch. Uh, ultimately, the Cardinals are not a top ten market team, but they can, but they're competitive every year. What are they doing so well that Chicago can't seem to figure out? What is it? What is an organization like Tampa Bay, who is easily in the bottom half financially? Uh, what are they doing so well for so long that we in Chicago can't figure out? Um, you've got the well, we've now won, so we're going to be able to fill the stadium regardless. You're back to the mindset pre. Pre 2015 and 16, where while Wrigley will sell itself and the fans will just keep coming. And it's so disheartening. It's so disheartening. Ticket prices continue to go up. And they're like, well, no, they've come down 5% this year. To go to a baseball game for a family of four, it's over $350. And that's a lot of money that for, for your everyday average family. $350 for one day. That's way, way, way too much money. And, and we both saw today that baseball, what, made $10 billion in revenue? Oh, yeah. And if that's, that's profit, that's insane. Um, so why are they doing what they're doing? I don't know, but it sure looks more like a money grab than the love for the sport and the love for the game than anything else at all. Everything points to the to the rickets uh going for a money grab through to and including and i can't stand this the uh on-site betting building that's now next to one of the most historic landmarks in Mm. all of the country that grates every ounce of my being i will never set foot in there oh man not a better to begin with but i will never set foot in there ever 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 it just it takes away from the idea of the great American pastime. Yes, things change. Yes, times change. Uh, I, you know, 
people adjusted to the, the scoreboards and, and, and all the changes on the inside and the additions of seats and the bullpens being moved and all that kind of stuff. But when you're throwing a big sports betting facility right smack in front of, in front of Wrigley Field, what does that say to somebody who's been a lifelong fan like me? What does that say? And you can ask that very question to you, somebody who's switched loyalties. What does that look like to you? From you know, from from my perspective, it looks awful. From somebody who has given up on the Cubs and and been and who is now completely loyal to the White Sox, what does that look like as an outsider for you? It it's an it's interesting that you asked that because, and I'm kind of glad we're talking about this now. It, when I go back to what kind of made me disheartened with with the Cubs, I mean, I mean, you know more this know this more than anybody. You know me for a long time. How gung ho I was about the Cubs, yeah. and by any means, a Cubs hater, I'm not. But I'm going to be honest with you: the older that I got, the more that I had my own family, and all of a sudden it was literally money out of my pocket we're talking about 350 at a game like when i go to a cubs game like i the cubs games that i went to when i was younger and my kind of when i was a kid going to my teens i always went with my grandfather and you would i'm sure you would agree that when you went to a cubs game it was a pure baseball experience in every way shape or form it was baseball in its purest form and honestly when i go there now i am surrounded by people that are drinking but there happens to be a ball game going on I'm surrounded by corporate outings. I'm surrounded by way too many sections that are not a t- not a not a thirty forty dollar ticket, but a two hundred dollar ticket because it's a special area. So it, it's like, oh yeah, let's just take a whole chunk of the upper deck out so that we can put a club in there and charge people triple the amount. Like it does not, it is not a welcoming family feel for me that it once was, and Ooh. it slowly kind of. It ate away at me, and then when I started going to Sox games, I naturally was like, "Wow, I really like this experience." You know, I really like going to the games, and now I, I love going to the Sox games much better than the Cubs Cubs games, and it it naturally just that switch occurred in me. So, um, it it it's very easy to see when I look back at it how that happened over time. Oh yeah, um, and having a, there's I have two two additional pieces to add to this. Having been in education my whole life, I have always sat in what I call the teacher seats, the highest seats up in the four and five hundreds, because that's all I could afford. Yeah. Um, they're now just the four hundreds. It's now the three and four hundreds. Uh, but I always sit up as high as I can. I try to sit in the middle of the field, but even those seats at 60 bucks a pop mm. for four people, that's $240. That's minus parking. That's minus a hot dog. That's minus anything, any souvenir for a kid. Yeah. $300 in the teacher. And, and again, I'll call them what they are, the teacher seats. Um, and that's insane. <laughs> I have been a season ticket holder three times in my life. I can't afford to be. Uh, and when, again, when you hear in the news today that Major League Baseball has made $10 billion, with a B, dollars, uh, professional sports, any of them, none of them are hurting in any way, shape, or form. And all you're doing, all you're creating are couch fans. That's all you're doing. You're creating couch fans. Yeah. And yeah, and you you are. And 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 it brings me back. I want to go back to the comment you made about the the betting facility, the DraftKings betting center they're putting in um being a cash grab, which we know is exactly what it is, but one of the things that struck me when I, that I was so excited about when the Rickets came on is when in 2014 they launched the the 1060 project and they were going to do all these renovations to the ballpark. And I think we all went into that being very cautiously optimistic. Like, what are you going to do to this sacred ground? What are you going to do to this ballpark? Like, when you saw when you when you look back and think about what you saw going into the 1060 project and what it has become, what do you think about it now? Well, um, the Again, the scoreboards I think people have gotten used to and are okay with. I really do. I think the hotel and Gallagher Way, I think people have gotten used to. Gallagher Way is kind of a nice touch. To see the greenery out in front and the big screen to where you can watch the game, I think that's a nice touch. I think the hotel um, is kind of a nice touch. It, it makes it 
it can be a weekend experience for a family who has the money mm-hmm. spend the weekend in Wrigleyville. It is. It 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 makes for a nice complete package to where if if a company like Expedia is like, okay, we'll give you a Cubs package for seven hundred and fifty bucks, which includes you know two games, round trip tickets, blah blah blah, all that kind of stuff. But then to on top of that, put DraftKings right in front of there. I'm out. Yeah, I'm out. You you've lost you've lost the authenticity of the game. Mm-hmm. I think a little I think a little kid coming up to Wrigley Field for the first time can see the greenery of Gall- of Gallagher Way and be like, that's really neat, and see the big screens. Now that television screens are so big in people's homes, I think that that's almost a natural uh, extension of their lives, and I think that they're that's okay. But putting DraftKings, a building right smack in front of Wrigley, no, just <laughs> no, no. Put it down the block. I don't care where, but not right in front of. No, 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 no. Well, knock it off. Knock it off, indeed. I'm, I'm right there with you. I, as a, as a pure, purely from a fan standpoint, I, I, I agree with you. But then I, the part of my brain that thinks business that's kind of even what i do day to day so allow my day to day please to seep into the evening podcast hour here but and i think about if i am a business and i need to make money to invest in my business let me do something that's going to generate that revenue so i can invest it back into my business here's the problem with that is i don't i'm not sold on the cubs doing that the right way because they've always had this money in the last three years they have not invested correct correct I would almost, as as bad as this sounds, I would almost prefer to see a DraftKings kiosk inside of Wrigley or multiple kiosks inside of Wrigley because God knows there's a million places for them to sell beer as opposed to, I mean, inside the park, literally, as opposed to a giant building outside of Wrigley. You can't do that. I think it just ruins the aesthetics of the entire experience. Yeah, I mean, it'll be that really seems to be the last space that they can build on unless they start buying people off and knocking things down, which I don't anticipate that will happen anytime soon. So this seems to be the final piece of their what seems to be their grander plan around the park, around that ballpark. Um, One of the things that they did do, which is was very popular in the sport and the Cubs kind of jumped on uh, the Ricketts and the Cubs jumped on this bandwagon was doing the regional network thing with Marquee. And I don't know that I would almost argue from what I've seen in the last five, three, five, three to five years, somewhere in that range that it's been around now, it it seems to be something very divisive with the fan base, Marquee. Um, I think because Marquee hasn't figured out what it wants to do, I don't think it's studied. But for example, the Yes Network for for the Yankees. With Rizzo having left to the to go to the Yankees and the Cubs not having played good enough baseball to watch, I happily began to watch the Yankees um, because of Rizzo, honestly. Yeah. Um, and the Yes Network, see, because they've been around so long, um, they know what they're doing. It's a solid. It, it's it's part of who the Yankees are. I think I think Mark the Marquee Network has tried to do too much too quickly, um, and hasn't figured out, you know, programming for 24 hours and then a subscription service on the side. Um, I don't necessarily know from a a sh- like I would love to see their three year business plan and their five year business plan and maybe even their 10 year business plan. And I'm not joking, you know, where Marquee sees itself in three, five, and ten years. Uh, we've all come to accept that Marquee is now part of the Cubs world. Fine. Now, are you going to offer a subscription service or are you going to make, and so I go to one place to watch a game or do I have to go to Fox on Monday, Marquee on Tuesday, uh, uh, back to, then to ESPN on Sundays. I know everybody wants a piece of the pie, but it's more than old and it's way too long that it's been like this. And Mark, he's just another uh, not in the whole rope, and it's annoying. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've heard the same thing across the board for many people. The accessibility is still really rough. The content is still really rough. 
Um, I mean, we'll see where it goes. I, I, I think I, I, the thought of it, um, premise of it is very exciting. And when it, when it was announced, I, I, I personally just as a, as a fan of, um, as a fan of Chicago sports, I was like, this is going to be really cool. Um, it's underwhelmed. It's underwhelmed. Yeah. I completely agree. I think they're, they, they're, they're, they're at the party, but they're not at the table. Yeah. They're in, the, they're in the building, but they're lost. They're they're stuck in the bathroom, still trying to figure out what's going on. <laughs> oh, awesome! Um, so needless to say, since twenty uh, since two thousand nine, when when the Ricketts took over, it's been kind of an up and down ordeal. I mean, what do you hope to see from this ownership team and the Cubs over the next? I'm going to use your example, next three to five years. Um, I would say that this to me, this year in particular is the year that they put a foothold in the rebuild with um, uh, the pitchers that they have now uh, that they believe in, they've signed. Uh, I, I'm some, I'm somewhat comfortable there. Again, that defensively, we're going to be top 10. I believe that wholeheartedly. Um, and especially in a catcher and Ross who believes in defense or a catcher, I'm sorry, a manager in Ross who believes in defense. If, and I also said this, if they're not competing for the wild card at a minimum by the end of this year, uh, Ross won't have a job in three years. I, I, I wholeheartedly believe that because you've got, you've got morale com- coming in. You've got, um, oh my God, why did the first baseman, what's his name again? Jesus. Mervis. Thank you, Mervis. Um, You've got him coming in. You've got Swanson there for a while. You've got Horner there for a while. My, okay, you want to ask three to five years. When, not if, but when, are they going to sign Nico and sign Hap for a long term? Yes. For the love of God, you want your three to five years? Sign those two because you've you've signed Swanson for seven. So what you've told Hap and Horner is, yes, we're going to build for the long term. So if I'm Hap and Horner, if I don't have something in writing, by the end of this year, I'm out. I'm out. Out. Screw you. You're lying. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and here's the here's the deal with this. And it, to me, it comes down to one thing with this team in three to five years. It comes down to you need to spend the money to win yep. championships. And that's just what it is. I mean, if we look at what their estimated payroll is going to be for 23, right now they're sitting at $177 million. The first tax threshold before you have to worry about paying then the league any taxes for luxury tax that thresholds at 233 you're looking at 60 million in space and there's no reason this cubs team in this market cannot get right up to or even exceed the 233 million mark couldn't agree more you've got justin Steele, who i've said from day one it, it to me is like john lester 2.0 he's he is your he is your future long-term starter. I love everything about him. Um, the, old, the only pitcher in the last however many years to be under 3.0 in his ERA forever. Uh, you've got, like you said, you've got 60 million. Okay, go out and get a center fielder when they come up. Go out and get a third baseman if you're not going to develop. Like, let's go. three. To, I give them five years max. Yes. Five, ten, I think 10 years. And any team that's signing anybody for 10 years is ridiculous. Like no one in any job in 2022 stays who's in their 20s or 30s. No one stays in those jobs in any job for 10 years anymore. And you're going to put 300 million dollars plus, or you know, half a billion for 10 years. You could have two or three ACL surgeries as a pitcher in 10 years. Like, come on. Like, well, good thing. Good thing my employer didn't check my ankle to see my my busted plate in my ankle. There you go. <laughs> oh man, um, that's good. Really good stuff there. I think we have a lot to kind of track and see, kind of how the Ricketts approach the next couple of years, spending that money. Come on, folks, spend the money. Um, I didn't. I didn't realize that they had sixty million to spend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Knowing that now, uh, bothers me a, a little bit more. <laughs> I didn't. Did it mean to hit a sensitive? No, 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 no. <laughs> but I think, but what I do think now is if they're competitive come trade deadline, 
you and I can talk, be like, hey, I heard you had 60 million hiding. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, it's you, just, it's shocking. It's shocking to me. So, and, and maybe, maybe they're looking at extending, maybe they're holding that 60 million for Horner and, uh, half, you know, who knows? And yeah. I, again, I'd be fine with, you know, shoring those two down or shoring those two up. Uh, I did not know they had 60 million to play with. Yeah. There you go. So that let that haunt you at night. Uh, <laughs> fair enough. Um, I want to move over to the South side cause it is a wholly different situation. Obviously, um, Ricketts is, if you're talking in terms of decades, fairly new to, to the Cubs still when put in perspective next to Jerry Reinsdorf, who's been, um, with the White Sox and owning that team since the um, the dinosaurs roamed the earth, uh, seemingly right. since the early 80s. Um, and Jerry's obviously much like Tom and his family. They have their own businesses. They made their money, made their wealth else, elsewhere. I think while we just a moment ago were kind of bashing that ownership group on the north side for not spending recently, Jerry Reinsdorf, on the other hand, is someone who is notoriously frugal, and it does show in the numbers with how much he historically over the last several decades um, either lightly invested or choose not to invest in his in his teams. And so, um, you know, one of the things I tend to think about um, with the Sox is this is going to be this this year and the next year as they still compete and think their windows open for a championship. I really want to see if, if Jerry's going to open the purse strings or loosen the purse strings here, because just to kind of set this stage for what we're looking at for the White Sox, um, just because we were talking about spending with Ricketts, I want to jump to spending with Reinsdorf. Um, the Sox for the Sox for 2023 are right now at 187 million. Um, to give you a perspective, when they were coming out of the rebuild, that final rebuild season of 2019, they were at 96 million. So quite a jump obviously but yep. again how competitive can you be if like the cubs you're not going to invest that other 30 40 50 million to really sure up your team because the Padres are doing it the yankees are doing it the astros do it like how serious are you about winning a championship if you're not going to invest the resources again and <clears throat> i think the white tax have every opportunity i'm very 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 happy i'm jealous actually of their starting rotation. Mm, yeah. Really like the White Sox starting rotation. I like the additions that they've made. Um, I think that's a fantastic foundation uh, to start with. Uh, so we'll see from there if the pitching can hold up and and be competitive by the all-star break. What what would you consider to be maybe the top three moves that you would make if you were on Ryan Store shoes with that money that you know you have? With the, with with the money that you know that they have, what are yeah. the three moves that you would make if they're competitive by the All Star break? I mean, if they're competitive by the All Star break, one of the things that I I do worry about for all competing teams is the rotation, right? And I think right now, like you're saying, they could have one of the best rotations in baseball. I mean, we're looking at Lucas Giolito, we're looking at Michael Kopech, we're looking at Lance Lynn. Of course, Dylan Cease comes in as your ace, and then Mike Clevenger, who they just added. Well, guess what? one or two of those guys go down, we have a problem. And so I do think there's some shoring up of that of that rotation that needs to happen. Um, another hole that it seems as if they're only going to fill internally is that second base hole. And this is, this is a prime example of what I'm talking about for the Sox. So, you know, they're entrusting the two holes they have on the field and in the lineup with rookies. Now, right field's one of their holes. They have a top prospect in Oscar Colas, who is crushed the ball from a ball up through double a even some up uh, a ball up through double a he actually had an appearance in triple a as well no it was double a where he had his appearances he crushed it um he may be a guy that has nothing left to prove and he's starting opening day in right field fine okay but second base other large hole that they're going to fill with someone out of the farm system and if you're a competing team let's go over to san diego and see the padres the padres the padres had Fernando Tatis Jr. playing shortstop. Oh, we don't care. We're going to sign Xander Bogarts because we can and because we want to win. Like that, we want to win. Right. And that that sort of commitment to winning, no matter what all it takes, the Sox just don't operate that way. Because if it was all it takes, I would have went out and I would have traded 
for a second baseman. I would have traded for Colton Wong. I would have went ahead and, and signed Dans- Dansby Swanson and said, hey, you want to play second base? Like, I, There's things that could have been done that just aren't done, and that's what the one thing that really frustrates me about this team is they're not showing me that they're truly all in. Uh, the 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 ultimate example of that, I would say, probably in the history of baseball, was A. Rod going to the Yankees. A. Rod was a shortstop. He's like, no, cheaters at short. I'll play third. I want to win. Yes, we we know he cheated. We know all about all that stuff. But but he was willing to move to third to go to a team to win. I want to I want to play on a team where I can win. I don't care where you put me. I want to play where I, I know I'm going to win. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Period. Absolutely. Yeah. I can't, I'm tired of guys going, you know, like Chris Bryant's the perfect example of guys who are going, you went to Colorado, you, you're making $187, $187 million, but you're playing in Colorado. You've gone, you've gone, you've gone to one of 10 cities where baseball players go to die. I, Nothing happened in Colorado. I don't under. I still am just, when I heard that, I don't think I've ever been more shocked in my life. And we're taking a tangent here for a moment. I still, yeah, I, know. I still, no, no, you're good. Cause I, I want to talk about this. I'm still so shocked. Like that is, you said it perfectly. That's where players, and I don't mean to be so crass about it, but that's where really? players go to die because he, in all, for all intents and purposes, Chris Bryant has fallen off the baseball face of the earth. He just has. He's, he's become irrelevant. He went from rookie of the year to, to having a rule changed because of his existence to no longer mattering. How sad is that? That is really sad. That's really sad for an MVP, for a rookie of the year, and for a World Series champion to just, duh. Oh. And, so, and so if you look at the White Sox financially, it in the regards that we talk, uh, San Diego and the Yankees, what in the world besides... Uh, selfishness are these people who have more money than God. Any of these owners have more money than God. Yeah. Or keeping it to themselves when the ultimate goal in owning a franchise is to win. Yes, it's to make money. No, everybody works to make money, period. We all do. Like, knock it off. But no one wants to half-ass their job. If you're going to do it, do it to win. Either either do it to win or get out. Yeah, because because you're wasting you're wasting every single person's time who's associated with that franchise, from secretary to top tier player. Every single person's time is being wasted if you're not a hundred percent in to win. Absolutely. And so here's here's the kicker with all this though. And I don't think you're gonna like that. I'm gonna say this, but I'm going to. Um, so this whole window, the White Sox window closed our window opened about late 2019, early 2020 during the pandemic season, when they really started to flourish with all these guys. And on the other side of town, on the North side, the Cubs were in the middle of this rebuild, really struggling. We didn't know what the future held for this team. Now, if I'm Jerry Reinsdorf, if I'm a business owner sitting in his seat, I'm going, holy shit, this is a great opportunity for me to invest in my team, get this team up to a winner, bring people to my ballpark, and become the team in Chicago. Like, if it was ever going to happen, it would have happened in the last three years, and it didn't because of the stagnation and the lack of doing that extra little bit. That was a missed opportunity. I completely agree. And because Reinsdorf has so much, so much money, excuse me, and... The one thing that the White Sox have that the Cubs do not is land. There is so much land available to build. The perfect example of that proof in five years, Arlington Heights, where the Bears will be moving, is going to be a a a, a, a again a cash cow. To yeah. go to Arlington, like get your real estate in Arlington Heights right now. Get it now. Because in five years, it's going to be worth 10 times. If the Reinsdorf family was able to convince 10 restaurants or bars or major corporations to to plant themselves next to Comiskey, because again, you get off the red line, you can get there. They're eight miles from Wrigley to Comiskey or the cell is eight miles. They have so, and there's so much space to build. 
I don't know what they're waiting for. It, I'm glad you brought that up because that was kind of kind of kind of what I was going to go into next is that comparison between Wrigley and Guaranteed Rate and and I, I kind of spoke to it earlier, right? Like for me personally, now Wrigley Field, do do I enjoy going to a game there? Of course, like I, like just at the base level, I do enjoy it, but. I do enjoy guarantee rate better because again, the environment's better. I get a different feel. It is easy in and out and there's parking that's not $75 right around the ballpark. So that, I mean, that's nice. But when I look at guaranteed rate, it is literally just a ballpark in a field of parking lots. And it, it amazes me how much space they have to do anything from like you're talking about bars and restaurants. A uh, 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 history museum for the team. A lot of these ballparks have those outside the ballpark. Like you could be making that a hub for in this in a reps in a city of ten million people. Yes, and you've got real estate up the yin yang. Complete. It's like going to the desert when you go to guaranteed rate. There's nothing else there. No, no. and it's insane. You're in Chicago. Everybody, everybody raves about this city. But no one talks about the South Side because there's nothing there to go see. And it's everybody on the South Side's fault that there's nothing there to go see. Start building. Why haven't real estate companies gone in there and started planting their feet and planting their feet? Because God knows they have enough money. So here, here's kind of what I think about that whole thing is, is number one, I struggle because I we obviously we don't know Jerry. I don't know. I, I'm assuming Jerry's a very pleasant guy, very loyal guy at all accounts. I'm sure as a person, no, we, we all know how loyal he is. I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. seriously, from from telling Scottie Pippen, dude, don't don't take this low money because you're <laughs> worth a fortune, to 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 allowing Ozzy to stay and allowing Larusa to overstay. He is he's <laughs> honestly his loyalty should be commended because there are very few owners that are that loyal, but he's, but he is loyal to a fault. He is. He is. And, and last year with La Russa was proof. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh no. I mean, no, you're right. I mean, loyal to a fault, but it, and, and that makes me think as a person, I'm sure he's a great guy. Now I'm not here to bash the guy. I'm here to talk. So, I'd love to shake his hand. Absolutely. I'd love to sit and talk to the guy, but I, it makes me wonder though, like what is his financial risk aversion what is his philosophy with his money because if it really is just he feels like he doesn't have enough well then build do the cash cow thing that wrigley's building i know you don't like it as much at wrigley i'll take it on his outside give me all the cash grabs i i will right. i will right. pay i will pay you just take my money so you can put a better team on the field so that's number one number two is i sometimes wonder if the long-term play for the Sox, and i know this sounds a little crazy is to not have that ballpark why would you invest in a ballpark if you have plans not to be in that ballpark? Then the only other option is to leave the city and Chicago has one team. Cause you know, where else are you going to go? You go to Soldier Field. They're not going to have anyone play in there. So. That, you know, you know what? That's actually not a bad idea. Uh. That's not a bad idea. That's a better idea. Yeah. That, you know what? That's not a bad idea because if, because uh, uh, here's here's the deal is I never thought of that. I mean, if I don't know if you saw this that the city went ahead and hired an architectural firm and did yeah, like yeah I saw oh, that you saw that for soldier for the dome and all that like I figure well hell if you're gonna do that for them do it for us do it for the Sox we'll be right there in downtown you want to talk about making it a Sox city if you're really passionate about that well why not just be right in the center of everything like literally be in the city right on the lake. And actually, the smartest thing that Reinsdorf could do, because that that sketch came out for the Bears, the smartest thing Reinsdorf could do is make a phone call, make it public, let it be known. Hey, they don't want it, we'll take it. Yeah, because you know what? Because you know what? Those White Sox fans will follow. You will get Cubs fans. You will get Cubs fans to be like, hey, I want to go check this out. And right. you know it, and you know whatever they build is going to be beautiful. It's going to be state of the art because if you remember when they first rebuilt the cell, it was the first, or guaranteed right now, um, it was the first of its kind of that big rebuild. It really was. 
And then everybody complained that the upper deck was way too steep, all that stuff. But it really was the first of its kind. And then people learned from, ultimately from the mistakes that were made with that park. And it's, and it's, not, and it's no one's fault. It's they were the first ones through the door yeah. to hold rebuild idea and actually the idea of moving the white Sox to that spot is brilliant and apparently we hear we heard it here first there we go uh, i'm not i'm not even joking anymore i think it's brilliant i mean in he, I, I, and i would bet and i would bet my tiny little paycheck that that's never come across his mind um, <laughs> But I, I I would love to know. I would really love to be on the fly. That's that's the one question I'm going to ask him. Have you considered this? He's going to go. Well, I don't know. I don't know because there's anything. I don't know. Right, right. Because I'm just I'm just taking my money. And, and but I would go to a game like I I to me uh, guaranteed rate doesn't have it, it's it's definitely more open and it has a nice open feel to it, but it doesn't have the 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 history behind Wrigley, it, it, they're two totally different mindsets. Totally, uh, but there's, but there's, I would buy a ticket for the the inaugural season, the inaugural game. I would, yeah. The same way I, I would have given anything to have gone to the White Sox Yankees thing in, uh, in in uh, uh, Iowa. I would have oh, given any games. Yeah, I would have given anything to have gone to that game. Um, and I if if the White Sox were to go where the bears currently play and they turn that into a baseball mecca i would i would go to opening night opening day i would i absolutely would as a chicago fan absolutely i'm right there with you um i i, I obviously have my season tickets now but if that ever happens i'm all, 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 all of a sudden going to be uh spending way more on season tickets so <laughs> so i guess there's a pro and a con there um my but, uh, don't need to go to college yeah, right. Forget college. College is for oh, why go to college? Just go talk to the Gary and learn a thing or two. Um, I I love it. I mean, I I more than anything. Here's here's my message to fellow Sox fans out there because I'm on I'm on Sox Twitter, obviously, and the Sox Twitter, like just Twitter in general, is a very crazy, twisted place. And I don't know how you feel about this, just from a, a Cubs fan perspective, but I see a lot of a lot of complaining about the Sox, and I understand where that comes from. It comes from we got a cheap owner. It comes from Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams have been there for eons. And why is there not change if things are working out? You know, again, the loyalty thing. And there's all these complaints. You know, why aren't the White Sox pushing all the chips in? I, as a fan, like the way I look at it in my perspective is I enjoy baseball and I enjoy following this team because it's it's my kind of escape. And not in a bad way, but it's like something that you enjoy and you love and it's your escape. Like, why would I let that be the one thing that I get pissed off about every day? Like, irrationally, you know what I mean? Like, I appreciate how much energy, like, White Sox fans get and they're extremely pessimistic sometimes. And I've learned that talking to more more of them now more than ever. Um, I, I've just learned to, and my best advice for any Sox fan out there is just enjoy the game. Let it happen. It's It's a story that's happening in front of you. And it's not worth getting upset about. It really is not. No, but but no one, no fan can help but be upset when the team that they invest their time in isn't doing well. The one thing that the world, myself included, continues to forget is we invest all this time and effort in something that we have absolutely no control over. Correct. Nothing. Nothing. At that's what it's about, though, right? It's the control piece of it. Like, it, it, things happen in cycles, right? Like, if if you went back to pre-Ricketts, like 2007, you would have never dreamed in a million years that you would have had the experience you did in 2016. No. Never. I was, I was, at that point, I was, that was my second go around with season tickets. And I'm like, well, just flushing another four grand down the toilet. <laughs> and I knew it. Um but but you live but that's what you live for you you live to to have we're here uh, you know to find our passions whatever they may be yeah and and fans by default are are tricked into believing <laughs> that our opinions matter like like we live and die by you know by other people doing things that we can't even control yeah it's 
it is wow let's psychoanalyze that for a little bit jesus that yeah you're right i mean that's there's so many factors that that pour into what it is to be a fan and fandom and these two groups of owners or these two you know both ricketts and and reinsdorf i think we can agree make it challenging at times but i i tend to take the optimistic approach personally and i do think for all the crap that ricketts has got recently i do think he's a great owner for that team all things considered and i think reinsdorf again personally as a guy i'm sure he's great let's just be honest here he's an older guy he's probably not going to want me doing this to the tail end of his life much longer there is a light at the end of the tunnel even for the south side because whether it's his son whether it's a new ownership group he just sells and makes all this cash at the end of his life and he's set for his family even more like there is a light at the end of the tunnel and i'm seeing great things outside of the ownership's office for the white Sox. that gives me a little bit of hope that's good to hear because i feel like Reinsdorf is slipping. Um, I think, I think he's continuously, continually missing opportunities, uh, both in expanding the franchise's uh, footprint in Chicago, uh, trying to do whatever they can to become a powerhouse. You know, Chicago has forever been called the second city. But no one in Chicago cares that we're called the second city. We don't care. No. So so the the White Sox fans shouldn't care. They're like, well, the Cubs that I I honestly don't like I'll I'll root for the Sox, but I don't put my negative energy into the Sox. Right. right. Sox fans for far too long have put negative energy into well, the Cubs are doing it. Why do you care? Yeah. Like yeah. just just focus on what your team is doing and root for your team and and cheer Reinsdorf when he makes a good move and boo Reinsdorf when he's not making the right move. And in my mind, you you said it, like the door is closing. Reinsdorf is older. And and maybe at this time, I mean, Jesus, the Virginia McCaskey just celebrated her 100th birthday. Right. <laughs> um. But but they got rid of what's his name, uh, the general manager for the for the Bears, and and maybe it's time really for Reinsdorf to to move on, and not necessarily give it to his son just because, but maybe it's time for legitimate ownership change. Because if I, as a Cubs fan, can see the 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 true opportunity, just from a um, a real estate perspective alone and all that they can grow there. And I'm a Cubs fan. I'm like, look at all that space. Look at all that they can do. And then you as a, as a, as a Sox fan are like, there. yes, there's all that real estate, but what about this? You're even, uh, relating to Soldier Field. I never thought about that. But both you and I who are younger are looking at ways to grow the White Sox loyalty, the, the franchise, and grow its it's fan base. And that's what, what all teams at all costs at all times should be doing. Grow, grow your fan base. If you build it, they will come. Grow your fan base, they'll they'll show up. You Absolutely. win, you win, they'll show up. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and that does and all all of what you said is why I tend to believe that one of two things will happen with Brian Storff. Someone's gonna get in his in his ear and and I think he may realize, oh, here are the options, here are the things that I can do. Or he's going to get really close to retiring or wanting to retire fully and sell the team and head off the team, whatever it is. I do think it's going to be the latter. I think the former of him taking anyone's advice and actually acting on it, I think that's probably far gone. So I, I do think a sale is in the Sox future, perhaps sooner than a lot of people think. I kind of, I, I would actually, I would like to see that. <laughs> I would well because well look at it this way though it seems as if if you look at Reinsdorf he has no issue with spending money on the Bulls yes he's hired a phenomenal manager in in Billy Donovan I like Billy Donovan I don't care what people think oh me too um he brought two national championships to Florida 
uh, he's a, he's a good man. He he knows how to get the best out of his players. He is a a, a leaps and bounds better than uh, who was before him. Oh my god, who's with the Knicks now? Oh my god. Uh oh wow. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, uh, I know who you're talking about. I'm sure yeah. the listeners do. Tibido. Jesus. There Tibido. you go. Um, he has leaps and bounds ahead of Thibodeau. I think, I think he loves his Bulls more than he loves his socks. And I think his money is there. I think his heart is there. I think having one been spoiled by winning six championships with Jordan will forever live in his brain as, you know, the greatest thing that ever happened. And and now and, and now, not now, but maybe this the, the White Sox and said as this sounds are his side project. I don't know. It's not how it, it's not how it started, and that, and that might be a stretch, but but I think that when I think about the Bulls, you know, you, when when the world hears the Bulls, you hear you think this up way up here. Yeah. When you hear the White Sox, you think here, mid late, yeah, mid mid maybe, <laughs> maybe. But but here, it's funny. See, it's funny you say that because I've heard the opposite in some respects because. Like, Jerry Reinsdorf grew up cheering for the Brooklyn Dodgers, and baseball was always close to his heart. And he had always said in interviews and talking to people that that 2005 World Series championship White Sox team, that championship meant the world to him. And oftentimes, maybe even more than those Bulls championships. And maybe there was a switch that flipped, right? I mean, if you haven't won a World Series in 2005, maybe you are looking at, ooh, you know, this Bulls team can get me there much faster than this White Sox team. And maybe that's where my money's going to, that's where I'm making the most bang for my buck with that Bulls team. Um, haven't seen that yet, but maybe that was part of what he he projected. I don't know. But either way, um, I mean, he already is handed off to uh, Michael Reinsdorf, a lot of the day-to-day ops of the Bulls. I mean, it, yeah. it, it, that makes me think if he's not doing that with the Sox yet or not handing it off to Michael to assume, you know, CEO type duties, he's just hanging on to it. And I wish he would just loosen it it up and let it go. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're right. It's, it's probably time. You might be, you might be onto something where he's letting go of the White Sox sooner than we know. You well, be- I sure, uh, I sure hope so. When he, next time he gives me a call, I'll plant that seed. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Um, awesome wow a lot of good conversation i know we covered a lot of ground today folks a lot of good stuff um just as a reminder um we're three episodes into this you know we really appreciate you know if you can spread the word um hopefully you really like these conversations we keep things very casual around here i mean we do plan ahead of time what we want to talk about but you know as fans we want to keep it fan oriented so we sometimes will go off on tangents and we'll talk about things that piss us off and that's just the life of being a fan of both of these teams so um follow us throughout you know the rest of these few weeks and months leading up to opening day especially as we get to spring training so we're going to be talking a lot about what's happening in camp a lot of project prediction shows i expect that will be coming up soon and previewing other teams around the league and you know who the Sox and cubs will be up against here in 2023 um, and make sure, please, that you're sharing us on Facebook, you know, following us on, on Twitter, um, you know, Romanelli's at Crosstown Cubs on Twitter. I'm at Crosstown Sox. Um, if you uh, could leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcast, that would be very helpful because um, I don't know about you, I'm Romanelli, but I, I love talking about this stuff every week. I know we're having a lot of fun doing it. And we want other people to join in on it. Yep, absolutely. Awesome. So. Um, upcoming plans for the Crosstown Baseball Show. Um, we are planning, unless Roman Elliott's otherwise, but I think we're both set to go to Cubs convention on Saturday. Yes, yes, we are. Can't awesome. Fantastic. So what that'll mean for, for all of you listening is that um, the Cubs convention schedule is already released. You can find that um, actually on the Cubs website. Specifically, it's at um, the Cubs website, there's a link for Cubs convention and the tickets. It looks like they're still selling for the weekend. They usually have like a small thing on Friday where it starts at I believe four or five and goes through the evening where it's just like the opening ceremonies. Um, they do that live show with Ryan Dempster. That's always a hoot and a half. And then Saturday is really the full day where you're going to hear from, um, business ops, baseball ops, they Ricketts uh, do a panel right in the morning and you hear from a lot of the players anywhere from the major league team to the rotation down to the farm. 
Um, that's really the big meat and potatoes day where you get a lot of content, a lot of information. So um, Romanelli, Romanelli and I will be there on Saturday. And what we're going to plan on doing is giving you live reaction throughout the day regarding some of these sessions, and we'll talk through them. So what will happen is um, those videos will be posted, it looks like later Saturday on our socials. So you can follow those live videos that we do. Um, in addition to that, we're going to kind of bring the audio together and make that our our episode for um, for this coming weekend that we would usually do. It will be kind of a Cubs convention exclusive episode for for the Crosstown Baseball Show. So um, I'm really excited about it. Well, I mean, what are you what are you really looking to, to hear this weekend? I am looking very very forward to putting Ricketts and Hoyer under the microscope obviously not you and I personally but there will be plenty of of much uh higher people in the baseball world pressing them pretty hard and I'm really really excited to see how we'll be able to read between the lines because first of all we both know that they're going to be as as politically correct and uh hide as much as they can about their plans and their spending but someone will push and and let's hope that we get a response because you know you're going to hear well if the team does well we do know that we have the financial capability to add to our team yeah but what are you going to do about you know Mervis at first you know like why isn't he coming up he, you know he hit the cover off the ball hit almost 340 why isn't he starting from day one? Well, we still want him to develop. Nope, he's ready. Knock it off. Right. What are you waiting? Like, like why? <laughs> like, cut the crap. Seriously. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let the kids play. Let the kids play. I mean, this is you know this is gonna be an interesting year, right? It's a year of the kids, really. I mean, that's what it's all about. So it we're gonna learn a lot uh, this weekend. I'm, I know we're both very much looking forward to it. So um, this next weekend, this next week for the Crosstown Baseball Show is all Cubs. Uh, we're taking a break from Sox. We're focusing on Cubs convention. So um, what I would hope for you before Cubs convention, make sure you're following us on all of our socials. Of course, you can find this podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts, whether that's Apple, um, Google, uh, Spotify. We are hosted on Anchor. If you follow the Crosstown Baseball Show on anchor.fm, you can actually leave us a voicemail. Um, and if you do that this weekend, if you're at Cubs convention, drop us a voicemail. Tell us what your thoughts are. We'll have you right here on the show. So you have an opportunity to get here on the show. But thanks for tuning in today. We appreciate you listening to the Crosstown Baseball Show. And we'll see you at Cubs convention. Go Sox. Go Cubs. Take care.